0: Hello and thanks for tuning in to the Me and My Golf podcast. Today's guest is PGA and European Tour player Tom Lewis. This is a fascinating podcast as Tom is very open and honest and discusses what caused his fall from form and then the steps he made to get back to his best. There are some great insights into how Tom has done this rebuilding process of his game and his confidence. So if you're in a slump of form... Or you want to know how to combat it when you do go into a slump then this is well worth listening to we hope you enjoy all right welcome to the podcast tom lewis how are you sir i'm great i'm, I'm a bit cold but it's, it's all good i'm happy well, i saw you a week ago in dubai and it was a little bit warmer then and we were just talking before our fair how we kind of both waking up at four o'clock in the morning uh yeah. which is which is okay but as you said not Going to bed at 8pm the
1: night before isn't ideal either. No, no, no. It's not It's not great, but it's always good to be home for Christmas. You know, being in the cold, uh, I think I'm getting used to this sort of um, hot weather when we're travelling a lot. So um, every year is getting worse and worse. I think I'm limiting in my days every Christmas, like less and less and less. So <laughs> I'm here until the 27th. Um, so I'm going to enjoy it as much as possible. Then it's going to be back to the grind. Awesome. Do you know
2: if you're anything like us now, Tom? We're just big wimps when it comes to the cold. <laughs> when you go away, when you're looking up to go away for the for the winter and get to some warm climates, you just feel yeah, the cold even more. I hate it now. I, you know, it's, I'm like, I just, yeah, I'm just. We're, we're
0: just both big wimps when it comes to the cold now.
1: Yeah, I'm exactly the same.
0: <laughs> Good. It's not just us then. <laughs> <laughs> brilliant, brilliant. Okay, so look, we're going to talk a little bit in this podcast. I think there's so much value that our listeners can get from this, based on your journey. Um and we have to start with the, obviously the beginning well I say the beginning, the end of your amateur career going into obviously the pro career, but obviously you were you burst onto the scene two thousand and eleven open, you know lowest amateur rounds, I think still the lowest joint amateur round ever in a major. What was it like leading the open after one round, and what was what were you feeling as an amateur at this point?
1: I think for me, I was a bit naive like how. Uh, I didn't know much. And I think that obviously helped, I think being able to just go out and feel comfortable on a golf course that I've won tournaments on before and um, playing with with Tom Watson and doing all those things was just kind of like, I. all I remember is for the first eight holes, I don't think I hit a green and I think I was level par. And then I started to hit it a bit better and then just obviously made some parts And I remember being on the 17th and looking on the board and thinking, Okay, I want to win the, I want to lead the open. So I've got to hold this part. And I think on the 17th, I must have held about a 30 foot part for birdie. But all I was thinking was, this is what I want to do. And I was able to do that. And then as time's gone on, obviously things have struggled more. And then I've got it back. So back then, I'd just say I didn't know as, I didn't know a lot. And now I know more. And sometimes not knowing much is probably better.
0: That, that ignorance sometimes is bliss, isn't it?
1: Yeah, 100%. Well, quick, quick question on that then. So when you say you didn't know a lot,
2: what do you, For the for the guys listening to this, what, what do you mean by that? What are the key things that you're sort of talking about there?
1: Well, you don't really know how big of an event it is. You just sort of, it's just another game of golf and it's like, oh yeah, there's a lot of people around and um, you kind of get used to just doing your own thing. And then when I obviously matured and, and and played on the tour, you get around a lot of people with a lot of knowledge and you end up trying to improve too fast and then you listen to too many people and then you lose your weight. So when I say I was sort of I didn't know what was really going on. That's what I really mean by that. And, um, and I wish I basically stuck to my guns a little more. I reckon I would have been further down the road. But providing I keep doing what I'm doing now, I think that won't be a problem in the future.
2: Yeah, it sounds like you've learned a lot of the lessons from that experience. Um, and I suppose branching on or moving on from that is you know you had a great start and you even obviously won the Portuguese Masters, I think in your third start as a professional, is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So fine. you won that, and then after that, the form dropped a little bit. What What would you say that? Um, you mentioned there about maybe being surrounded by others and listening to too many people. What was the reason that that form dropped? Um, after you sort of won that, ma- the the Portuguese Masters.
1: I think basically my expectations went up even more than they were, um, and I just expected a lot from myself and put a lot of pressure on myself and. Um, It was just one of those things that every I was a perfectionist and and still am, but I manage it better now. And I think I was just disappointed every time I went out. You know, even if I shot a really low score, I think I was just disappointed. So I was just unhappy all the time and basically dug myself a huge hole that I needed to get out of, which I didn't need to put myself in in the first place. And you can find that the confidence drops a lot on tour. You know, guys are good players and... You don't have to do a lot wrong, and all of a sudden, you know, you miss the cut. And there are things I wasn't used to as an amateur, you know, playing poorly. And I still sort of feel like I could get top 10 when I was an amateur, no matter what I did. And then you go out on a tour and you sort of win in your third time, and you think, well, I'll just win every month. That's literally (laughs) what I'm thinking. It's like, I know, that's literally, it's like, well, that's all right. I'll just win every three weeks. It'll be fine. Like, I didn't even think about it. And then, obviously, that soon sort of, I think I won in in years. So I was like, well, i guess i'm just gonna get used to losing and i just couldn't get used to losing and then i think that was the point where i was like right okay i need to sort myself out now like what am i going to do and i basically focused too much on stuff that i was not very good at and i basically neglected all the stuff i was good at and that's why i got worse because i didn't really improve my weakness i just got worse at the good stuff you know and then then i was like well actually if i if i suck at one thing then it's okay as long as i'm good at eight other things then we can just manage it. So then I just became a bit smarter, smarter and a bit cleverer, um, a bit more clever and just decided that actually, you know what, I'll just focus on what I'm good at and then the, the weaknesses will just get better and better and what? I just won't ruin my confidence.
0: Absolutely. what were the things that you were good at that you were neglecting?
1: I th- I would say that my long game from tee to green was my strength. And then the closer I got to the green, the worst I got. And then um, I just focused all my days and hours on my short game and Never really hit any long game stuff. And I was basically practicing every day at something I was really bad at. And I just drilled into my brain that I was rubbish at it. And I just get every day I was worse. You know what I mean? Like I'd get try and do that. And I'd be like, all I was doing was reinforcing that I was bad at it. And I was like, well, you know, I need to not do this anymore. Like it's not getting any better. I'm getting worse. So what should I do? And I thought, well, I need to be happy. So how, what makes me happy? Well, doing something am good at so I might as well do something I'm good at so I hit a lot more long game shots and I felt good and I want, I got my motivation back and you know they just got better and better and then you know my short game stuff and my confidence from my long game made my short game a little easier to get better and then I just sort of stuck to a process over the last 2 or 3 years and it's still not brilliant but I can get around it if I rip it I don't have to chip do you mm-hmm. know what I mean there's <laughs> yeah. you know my putting my putting's coming along really well and I feel like my putting's one of my strengths so I'm well happy at the moment.
2: You mentioned one thing there, Tom, which is it's always insightful. I think a lot of amateurs listen to this. You mentioned expectations and how your expectations were were maybe poor or wrong, and that leads you to again to being annoyed or frustrated or, or down or whatever it might be. What are the things that you've done, and how are you now in terms of expectations? How do you manage those? And what are the things that you've done that maybe some of the listeners can benefit from that? Because that's a key thing, isn't it, to understand that you're you're not going to win every three three weeks, um, and perfection doesn't exist in golf. But if, yeah, how do you how do you battle with that yourself?
1: Um, it is difficult to do. I think when you get used to something, I guess it's like anything. You start a new job, and you kind of you're, you know you don't really know what to expect, and then you kind of I don't know. Never had a job. But uh, <laughs> you got a good job. I'd had a, job. I'd I'd a good job. But if if that is the case, you know, you always see people worry at the beginning and then they sort of slowly get more comfortable, more comfortable because then they're used to that job. And I think for me, when I was an amateur, I got used to knowing what to expect. And then when I turned professional, I got used to knowing what to expect. So I kind of knew that what the standard was, I knew what was a good shot, what was a good result, what was, a, you know, all of these things. And it made, made it easier to accept. Um, and uh, but then you have to manage what you're doing are you playing against everyone else or are you playing against yourself now if i i've figured that if i could beat myself i'd do really well if i didn't beat myself then i'd probably struggle and uh you hear a lot of people say like if it, get the game is basically uh me against myself and, and and the rest of it will take care of itself and That's something I never understood when I started. I was just like, well, that doesn't make any sense because I'm playing against loads of other people. But I think if I don't, it doesn't really matter about the result. It just more matters about the process you do from from the start to the finish and then look at the result. And that's obviously hard to do when you're always worrying about, I need to make a cut, I need to make money, I need to make my tour card, I need to finish in the top 100 and, you know, all those things that I struggled at the beginning with. And then I got used to basically saying, well, I don't have to be perfect every single week. I'll just do I'll just do good things occasionally, and now I'm in the stage of starting again on the PJ tour and being not knowing not knowing what to expect. And now I've noticed that that affected me again this year, where I was like, "Well, do I play in America? Do I play in Europe? Like, do I uh, if I go if I decide to play in America, then I'm losing points in Europe. But if I decide to go in Europe, then." you know, and I miss my card in America, then I'm back to square one, you know, and all these things go through your mind and they're things that I don't think I did as well as I could have this year. But I told myself, if I get an opportunity again on the PJ tour, I won't miss it. Like I'm going to c- commit to the PJ tour, you know what I mean? And then the European tour will come secondary. And that's what my 2021 schedule is going to look like a lot of, um, and when you've got a plan you can manage them expectations um but if your plan always changes like if you go to one coach and then you decide to go to another coach it's like that cycle and that that calmness kind of just gets thrown all over the place And, and that's something that i've learned to do is like trust the team around me and work hard and um and have have as much confidence as possible
0: yeah, I love that. I love that. Just just going back to, also you mentioned at the beginning of that question, or the answer to that question, about the environment, about how we all know as, as coaches or players how important that environment is. But would, did you find at the beginning when things were really hard, and obviously you were asking questions, you may have been asking questions of different coaches or different players, was there, was there anything in particular there that, that hampered your progression from an environment point of view? Did you look Did you ask too many questions of different coaches, for example?
1: Um, No, it wasn't so much that. It was more that um, if I didn't hit everything perfect, if I didn't hit everything great, I was like, well, that's wrong. So I need to change it, you know, rather than, no, the reason I wasn't hitting everything perfect is because I haven't done that for long enough. That makes sense. Like for me, you could, you could have a a terrible coach, right. That might from the one person might be terrible and tell you something that really isn't working but if you're convincing yourself that it's going to work and you did it consistently all the time all the time all the time it will it will work for you you Mm. know what i mean because you've convinced yourself it's good whereas you could have the perfect information going in and it could be exactly what you need to know but if you're not committed to it or you don't believe in it it's never going to work doesn't matter how long you because you're going to actually always have that doubt in your mind so whatever you decide to do and whoever you decide to see i think you need you need to be strong enough to like say you know what this is the direction I want to go in and that's what I'm going to commit to and that's it I don't care what other people think I don't care if someone just has a little are you sure that that's you know would you not think that this is the right thing to do because you kind of can you can you have to be stubborn you know what I mean and then and, and, and that's sometimes but you can also be nice and you can always manage that and I think I got better at just managing people around me and just be like yeah you're probably right actually but yeah you know I'll just do this you never know; it'll work out, and just try and joke, joke about stuff to try and get people off your back. Yeah, because sure. everyone always wants to say something.
2: I think the amateurs will be definitely relating to this. They might have a coach, and they go out on the weekend with their mates, and all their mates are saying, "Oh, you need to try this, or what about your backswing? Do this." But, like you say, they need to just go, "Well, okay, thanks for thanks for that, but I've got it. I've got it covered. I'm going to commit to the coach that I'm investing the cash that I'm that I'm earning and spending on him."
1: well the way I say it is like if you do the the, you know the 10,000 hours thing that everyone talks about um if you do you could work really hard for five hours do I mean and then work on something all day and be like that's brilliant and and then the next day it not work and you change it well you're starting that 10,000 hours again you know I mean so you you might as well do 10,000 hours wrong you'll probably get there faster than you would if you just kept changing all the time to find something you know because most people they'll not practice for a week and then play on a Saturday but like, oh, I was really good last, like last this week but I got really drunk last night and I didn't really care what happened and <laughs> didn't know what was going on then the next week they try really hard and then they play rubbish they're like oh I might as well go and get drunk and then the next week they get drunk and they can't play so they're like I don't know anymore you know like there's <laughs> loads of things so I think it's just about consistency and if you like let's say we're hit let's say, just a normal a normal golfer that plays at the weekends. If they just went, well, I'm going to practice twice a week on a Monday, Thursday and play Saturday and just committed to that and just went, right, I'm going to keep it as simple as possible, then I think they would find consistency in their game.
2: Hi, everyone. Andy here. Just letting you know about something that we've created just for you meandmygolf.com is our membership platform that we believe is the best resource out there to improve your golf. And one of the questions that we get asked all the time is what's the difference between YouTube and the website? And the main difference being is that sometimes people can get lost in content on YouTube and not really having a clear structure or plan of where to go. So we wanted to create something that was was really going to help golfers. We've got over a thousand uh, coaching videos on there, but our main thing or main feature on there are the coaching plans and we've seen some amazing results from these plans and these are basically carefully designed plans on all areas of the game so you don't have to think or worry about what to do we tell you exactly what to practice each week and whether you're looking to break a certain score fix a slice improve your putting or short game we have a plan that will suit you We're even staggered at some of the results that golfers are getting from these as well. And we even have a private Facebook group where all of our members go and share experiences and support each other. Real nice place, positive place to be. And we'd love to see you over there and have the chance to help you with your game. So make sure you head over to meandmygolf.com and check out your free trial with no obligations to join. Check it out and see if you can find a plan and become a part of this amazing community.
0: So it is obviously... I'm always interested to find this out. So obviously you've, you've burst onto the scene, it's gone great. And then it's obviously fallen off and going through the reasons that you just mentioned there. What was the, how long was the process for you to get your game back? Cause I think all the amateurs listening to this would be really interested to hear this. So what, how long was that process? I suppose, what were the emotions along that journey? And did you have any doubts?
1: Yeah, I always have doubts. It's just hard to like, basically, I don't think that you can improve you can't get to the next level unless you really hit rock bottom. And I hit rock bottom, I think in 2017, I think, 16 where I really was like, it can't get any worse than where it's at now. Like from a mental standpoint, if you actually look at where, what I was doing and results wise, you'd be like, well, not bad, but, uh, I felt really bad. Like I was completely lost in my life and in my golf. And I was like, right, what am I going to do? So I just hit the reset button. I just thought, well, it can't get any worse than this. So I might as well change this up. So I decided to go to America, uh, decided to work with my coach, David um, Armitage, from, who works at Sit Queenwood. And I met him there and then he was in Miami. And I thought, well, I'm single. You know, I can do whatever I want. I don't have to be anywhere. I'm, I'm not going to play in the tournaments in Abu Dhabi, Dubai, Saudi, you know, all of those beginning tournaments, because I wasn't in them. Even though I had tour status, I had a low-ranked card. And I thought, well... I've probably got four months now to really work on my game. So I went there with an open mind, clean slate and was like, I'm going to listen to someone because not listening to anyone or listening to too many people has not got me anywhere. It's got me to where I am now. So I'm very open and honest about how I feel. And if someone tells me to do something on the golf course, I'm like, well, that's not going to work. We need something else. And I have a very good relationship with him. And um, I believed in what he was telling me and I worked really hard at it every single day. And I wrote notes every t- all the time, basically saying like, today was breakthrough day. This is what I really wanted to do. This is what I achieved, blah, blah, blah. And I basically, every day, I was building confidence and building hours. And I just got into a bit of a routine. And then I didn't panic when I hit. When I played in tournaments, I played a few challenge tour events and I played European tour events. And I, I don't think I could break par. I think I was shooting like one or two over par, missing the cuts. But every time I co- I walked away, I was like, it's okay. Like, it, it's like, I'm actually happy with what I'm doing. I feel good. I feel like it's going to work. And then, obviously, I I won later in that year. Um, but before that time, when I was struggling from between 2012 all the way up to 2016, I was always doubting what I was doing. You know, I was always like, I don't really know if that's right, or that doesn't feel good. There were all the things that were going through my mind. So there was always doubts, and I got to the point where I was like, I can't do this anymore because I'm just not happy. And then when I hit rock bottom and I got to where I am now, like I I feel, I feel like I can take the positives from everything, you know, and I've got them barriers in. So if I ever start dropping off, you know, my performance starts dropping off, I'll be like, I've been here before. I know what I need to think and know what I need to do. So I don't ever fall as low as I've ever been.
2: Yeah. And you're always going to
1: get those on you. those sort of
2: uh, times of where you're, you're, you're peaking and then you're dropping a little bit. But like you say, if you can avoid going that because of the lessons you've learned last time. And I think um, a lot of people just listening to that there, you were talking about. I'm just trying to think. I had something in my mind, then Pearson. I was going to say. I can't think what it was. Mm-hmm. It sparked it sparked something, and it's gone. I, I, whilst he's
0: thinking on that, <laughs> I, I would say that the the reaffirmation of writing down in a diary and the notes, which maybe a little bit worse it, going yeah. with That I, it. That, I, I think that's that, anyone listen to that. That is just gold. That is just the best thing that you can do because that then becomes a lot more. Um, there's a lot more strength and sturdiness to something like that than there would be just thinking about it and just having it in your head. Yeah,
2: yeah, hundred percent. Go on, Andy. No, I was just saying as you were talking about that, the fact that so many people say to us about you know how do I how do I avoid um, feeling nervous or how do I how do I get it you know how do I do it when it means something when the pressure's there and you talking about that there a couple of things, you made that commitment, you were practicing with purpose, you were, you were writing it all down, and then when you go into tournaments and events, you had that confidence that everything's gonna be okay, but part of that comes from just the prep, the commitment that you made into actually saying, right, I'm gonna to listen to this guy, I've got my full trust in him, you're going and getting some great practice done, you're making some notes, so all the pre stuff regarding you going to an event is what helps you then at the event where most people are after the secrets, What do I do at the event, which is going to help me, you know, build confidence or, but it's so, it's so much about the preparation is key to enables you to do that. I've got it out of my head there. That's it. (laughs) I remembered it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're definitely sort of. I think anyone who just listening again, going back to that, anyone who's listening to this, please go along those lines. Even if you're playing great golf, you know, or playing bad golf, it doesn't really matter. It's just a really good process to go through. And,
2: and not many people will be writing stuff down, so I think that's a great uh, takeaway there, Tom. I mean, there's not many probably pros who do a lot of that actually. So
1: um,
2: I think it's. Uh, no, I don't think.
1: I don't think there's many. I, I think for me, um, you t- you you listen. I listen to a lot to a lot of successful things like successful business people and stuff. And I didn't realize I did what they did. I didn't copy them. But then when they did it, I was like, right, I'm going to make sure I continue to do this because there's clearly um, a correlation between successful businessmen and people and sportsmen and writing stuff down versus just thinking, Oh, I, oh, what was I thinking that time? You know, whereas when I struggle, I go, right. When I, when did I feel like I was chipping my best? And then I just look back on the notes that I've dated and I look, oh yeah I was thinking that I remember I forgot I tilted my head this way a little bit more and I opened my eyes and he'd be like how do I remember that you know no way I would remember that and then there's other things I do with things that like things I want to improve at tournaments so I always have my tournaments and then I go right things that didn't work things that I wanted to improve and then I also I have another note system which is like things that work that week and I do it in different rounds so after every round I'll just be like round one um Drove the ball really, day, really good today, but I felt like I put a lot of pressure in my left heel. Done, you know. And then the next, and then I would be like, what didn't work was my bunker play wasn't good. Didn't feel like, you know, it felt like the club was I was fat and everything. So I drove the shaft. And then the next day would be like, actually, bunker play was better because I felt like my right shoulder was hitting the outside of the ball. And like, so there was always there's always things I can go back to. And then I print them off, send them to a coach, and then we have a bit of a team meeting. And then we like, look, Tom, have you noticed that when you think of these things, this works. Versus these are the things we need to avoid, and then we know what to do following year.
2: I think I've just had an idea there that I think will just be useful for us actually with uh, with Aaron, but that's a, a separate subject. But, uh, but and do you know what? Yeah, I,
1: I, I, that's a percentage if you owe me.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Thank. We're just learning from you. Come on, that's what
2: it is, Tom. Uh, but I think even with the notes taken there, most people, most amateur golfers would come off the golf course and want to write down all the bad things that happened. And I think it, the, the crucial thing that you're saying is note down what works, note down what the things that work so you can go back to them and understand and conceptualise actually what, what is the, when I'm playing my best, what actually works and I think most amateurs would benefit from that definitely.
0: Uh, Aaron has got one of those books and he wrote a few things down after his, uh, after his Friday round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are there any, yeah. Yeah, yeah,
2: absolutely. Okay, so where are we now? Okay, right, so from what are the biggest lessons then that you've learned i suppose from um from your amazing start to your career to your little bit of a a slump in your career to sort of where you are now what would you say that let's say the three biggest lessons that you've learned
1: um previous lessons well uh i'm not good with this sort of stuff but (laughs) i'd say make sure that when i'm on the down don't 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 create a bigger problem than you already have. You know, like you're, you know, you're struggling, your confidence going down. Don't then all of a sudden make yourself, it's never that far away. I'd always tell myself I was miles away and I look back at it and I think, I was never that far away. Why did I even, I wasted seven events because I told myself I was rubbish, you know, for all of those events when actually I wasn't that far away. All I needed to do was focus on what I wanted and not what, not what I didn't want, you know. And a lot of the times I got to the point where I was like, focus on, what I didn't want and not about what I wanted. So that was a huge lesson. Um, trying to keep things as simple as possible, you know, um, try and do things for myself rather than for everyone else. So I I feel like I have a lot of pressure on myself because what I think people don't realize is how many outgoings we have. I know it looks like we have great income sometimes, but the amount of things we pay like percentages to trainers, coaches, you know, like there's a lot of outgoings that, that actually piles on a lot of pressure because, you know, we without their help we wouldn't get to where we got to and but also at the same time they're investing in us and you want to provide for them because you you believe in them and they believe in you so that comes with a lot of responsibility so my motivation comes from working for them as well as myself and um they, they're big keys as well i think for me but that's maybe two hours free but i can give you a third two, two like, that's
2: yeah. good so just a quick one that on for, for the for the guys at home listen to this um what does your team look like what does that ha- you know who's in your team and what does that look like
1: oh uh, okay so i've got a coach um david arnottage he sort of like sort of oversees everything um which is uh which is brilliant uh, i've got my dad who's my coach as well but he more simplifies things like grip stance um um that is like, it was brad faxon I've um, uh, been working with him for you know a little while now. Uh, not bad, is he? <laughs> he's a good guy. Yeah, he's he's great. simple he's as well, doesn't he, Tom? He's really, really simple. He's really helped me in that. Actually, even though he's focused on my short game, um, sorry, on my putting, I've really tried to take a lot of that into my into my longer stuff and that. But that's what America's done to me is noticed that actually there isn't you don't need to think a lot. Just let's go and do it. They don't care that much. They just go, Tom, do you want to play nine holes and play for fifty dollars? Okay, cool. You know, and then like so actually I just need to score. I don't need to be worrying about what I'm swinging it like or anything like that. you know. So I've worked with Brad. Um, I've got a psychologist um, guy called um, Patrick Alban who helps me in Miami. I've also added a new guy to the team called um, Morris uh, Pickens. I don't know if you've heard of him. He works with Zach Johnson um, and Keegan Bradley and Nick Watney, a few guys. He's more of a performance coach guy. But also down the psychology route. Um, I've got my physio, practice. Rob. Sorry.
2: That to help structure practice and and what you're doing in terms of simulation. It's, it's
1: very it's very new. You know, we've got it, it was just introduced to me through um, sort of my stats guy, Lance um, and um, Richard Hunt. So there's a few guys in the US that help me out uh, with stats, and they recommended him, and he might have been able to help me just simplify and, and go through the process a little bit more because Patrick is more of a all round psychologist, but then at the same time, Mo is a little bit more involved in the golf, you know, mm-hmm. things that like how you're feeling on the putts, how you're feeling on your routines, like let's get your routines perfect. Let's get a little bit of a plan going forward here and here. So that's more like the nitty gritty stuff. Um, I'm sorts of spiritual so I kind of have a spiritualist Hence, this, this photo here so like there's it, like a buddha thing here so yeah. like I like she really helped me her name is Gillian and um, she's over in Ireland and she's like a second mum. like she sort of really um it's great with me and, and sometimes I worry about my future I'm always like well, what if I lose my card what if I you know I want to always be better than this and, and she's always like you've got nothing to worry about. I'm not worried about you. And she just keeps me calm, you know, and we talk about some stuff. So that's kind of funny. Um, if I'm missing anyone, Rob, Rob um, Hopkinson's my physio and trainer. So he's on the board as well. Uh, Caddy John is, is a good friend of mine and he's been on the bag since the success started. So he, you know, he's a big thanks um, to my team. I'm probably missing a few a I don't the answer that. it's a big team it's a big team but you're missing
2: you know, anyone off that there's, <laughs> there's a big wage yeah, built on that is right there you're right like <laughs> well see what the pressure's on
0: yeah it, it, look it's I mean again look, we had a question in here which is how can you reinforce you know what you've done here now but I think it's more about what does 2021 look like for you obviously as I say PGA Tour great obviously performance throughout the season last this year 2020 but Obviously, St. Jude's coming second. That was awesome. What, what does? So how are you going to reinforce it, though, next year? Obviously, working with the team, what does the tournament schedule look like for you? Will you play a lot? You're
1: the first guys to hear this, but uh, I'm going to be playing Abu Dhabi, and then I'm going to be flying to play the Farmers Tournament, and then I'm going to be nice. playing Phoenix, um, and then I will continue in the US until I really don't have to play in the US and then I think I'll focus on the Rolex series events over here in Europe and um, see where that leaves me but we we'll probably make a plan up to Augusta and then see how we've got on and, play and played up to that point and then recess see what my schedule needs to look like going forward because it could be anything you know I could go out and win in Abu Dhabi that makes it a lot easier to commit to the US because I don't have to worry about coming back you know or could play poorly in America and in Europe and then think, right, what do I need to go back to Europe because I feel like I can keep my status there? Because at the end of the day I could be on the challenge tour by next year. You know what I mean? Like there could be it can change a lot. And it's kind of exciting to see where I'm gonna be, but I don't think we'll have to worry. I think providing I focus on my plan and keep it, you know, keep the team together, keep it simple. Um I don't think we need to worry about it, but I think you'll find that my schedule is going to be heavily in the US um, because that's where I want to be.
0: It, it is interesting. It sounds like you're in a good place. And I think you're right. You know, the US is definitely a place to test yourself with the best players. It's
1: mm-hmm. interesting
0: that I asked Aaron about this, said we were doing the podcast with you and what did he know about you? And he just says, well, look, you know, he's played a few times with you, nice guy. But he, he said as well at Dubai last year, the other, I think it was whether it was round one or round two that you played with him. I know you played the first two rounds. He said he's probably one of the best rounds he's seen. So that's that's of you know he obviously yeah, and he's played with some decent golfers. So you obviously hit it well that day. Yeah, it's nice of him.
1: Aaron's a really, really nice person. Um, I wouldn't just say that. He's really, honestly, a great guy. And um, obviously, when I'm on my best, I'd feel you know like I'm very hard to beat. And which we'd all say, but I'd still win. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but he um, but. As he's saying, like he says, it's great. But I think when I'm great, I'm great. But my poor definitely needs to be better because if you look at Dubai last week, for instance, I'm six over in the first round, and then I've got three great rounds on one leg. and struggling to walk, you know. And all of a sudden, you're like, well, if you take that six over out, you you're finishing the top three, you yeah. know, uh, at yeah. worst. So they're the bits that I can't afford to do, especially on the PJ Tour. Europe, you can get away with it a little bit, a little bit more because the field isn't as deep as in America. You know, you, you, you don't hear of a lot of guys in the US because we focus a lot in Europe here, but um, guys that I've never heard of that are like, they're shooting lights out, you know? And I'm like, wow, I need to really be on the ball. I can't afford to be shooting three and four over pars because, you know, if you look at the WGC as a prime example, I was third to last or something after two days. You know, I finished second, which is unbelievable, shows that I can shoot really low, but I can't afford to keep, if that was a cut, I wouldn't have made the cut. No. You know. So dead the things I've got to improve yeah. good.
2: Sounds good. Well, it Sounds like you're in a really good place. And you know, we wish you uh, all the best. And uh, you know, we'll be certainly looking out for that. Um, you know, for the for the PGA tour and seeing what's going on. Uh, before we finish, we've got a quick fire round for you. We've got just a quick quick few questions. Um, which never which, which are never which quick. quick fire? Yeah, they're never quick. <laughs> they never quick, but we'll see if we can get through them fairly quick. Um, okay. this is, uh, best advice when under pressure.
1: Best advice from uh, under pressure, Adam Scott played the US um, PGA and we were going around and, around and I said, look, Adam, I, I felt like I was nervous in this situation. What What did you think? And he said, in um, Augusta, I was on the 15th pole. This isn't a quick fire, I'm going to tell you as it is. <laughs> so it's like... It's like, it's like I was on the 15th and I felt really nervous and I was leading and I was like, right, I need to make this part. And basically the grass had turned, he pictured himself on a practice ground and he said, I pictured myself at Albany and I was just doing my drills and I was knocking these 10 footers in and he goes, the grass turned from bent grass to Bermuda grass. And I was just, I was just there putting, he goes, and before I knew it, the ball was in the hole. That was quite, that was really interesting. I like
2: it. Brilliant. Next. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Worst golf advice that you hear passing around to amateurs?
1: Mm, don't really know. Worst golf advice. You need to go and see my coach. He's really good.
0: You know, like, (laughs) it's like,
1: well, he might be really good for you, but it doesn't mean he's really good for anyone else. So uh, that's probably, that's what most people I hear say to each other. Okay, good. It's
2: a good one. Um, Your best ever shot?
1: I think in 2011 when I won... um, the first portuguese masters i had the second shot into the 17th pole um i hit the fairway and i knew that if i hit the green and two part i pretty much won the tournament and obviously i've only played three tournaments and it was 230 yards and it was over the water and I had a four iron and i was like right i'm gonna hit 4 iron just left of the pin which made me back left and the pin was at front middle and i basically pitched it exactly where i wanted to went on the green i two parted from there so i'd say that in the circumstance, that was probably the best shot I've hit. Yeah. Where, where
0: was that? Was that Victoria? Or was that? That was
1: in Victoria, yeah. I'm sure you'd probably find it. But it was, yeah, 17th pole, 2011. Nice. Check it, check out, it out.
2: Check it out after this. Um, most nervous you've ever been
1: on the golf course? Most nervous I've ever been. God, I've had some nerves recently. I don't know where this has come from. So I'm trying to think. Tell, tell you where the most nervous was. I was on a two-foot putt on the last in Dubai last year or the year before both putts were exactly the same same pin same sort of putt and I had a two foot putt and I was shaking I was like why am I shaking I'm not even <laughs> winning tournament I'm like fifth or sixth I'm like what's this And I don't even why it was just like on this chip over this putt, and I was like I could have missed the hole I don't even know what happened so I ended up going in but yeah I was so I was so nervous there I think
2: a lot of amateurs just don't think that, that, that you guys get nervous so I think it, it, helps. it I, helps everybody else
1: I speak to so many guys I'm like were you nervous at this point he's like yeah if you speak to Robert Rock when he won um, Abu Dhabi being like Tiger Woods playing with Tiger Woods I said were you nervous he went every single shot I was nervous yeah <laughs> I was like okay fair enough But if you watch it on TV it looked like he didn't, didn't you have no, no nerves at all you can't
2: see them can you you can't see yeah. them it makes everybody else feel okay knowing that you guys get nervous Um yeah. One player that you could play with that you haven't yet—it um,
1: can't be Tiger Woods. No, oh, um, Rory. I don't think I played with Rory in a tournament. That'd be that would be interesting. Mm. Yeah, we at the same golf club in America. I haven't played with him yet. I was lucky. Bears? I played with DJ recently. That was fun. Is that the Bears? Yeah, Bears Club. Yeah, yeah. You played
0: yeah. with DJ recently, yeah, You say? Yeah, he. I was
1: the first guy he played with after he was counting all his fifteen million.
0: That was interesting.
1: Nice. He's actually a really nice guy. Really nice guy. Yeah. Did he hand any over that day, or did you uh, hand? He, I I did actually. I did beat him. Good man. Which, which he has the last laugh because he probably was having a lot of alcohol and had a lot of time off, but I did still beat him, so it was all right. (laughs) I love it. Fantastic. Tom, you know what? This
0: has been superb. Um, Obviously, when we write these questions down, we're always thinking, you know, well, hopefully they'll say these things here which provide value for the people listening to this. And I think every question you've answered has been superb. You know, great value. A little bit of entertainment in there as well. But I think anyone listening to this, if they just take some of these things that you've done, they're going to help their goal for sure. So thank you so much for your time.
1: Yeah, definitely. You're welcome anytime. Thanks, guys. Have a great Christmas and we'll see you soon. Yeah.
0: I will do. Thank
2: you, Andy. Thanks for listening to this episode. We hope you found some great value in it, and if you did, make sure you subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend. Also, let us know your feedback by leaving us a rating or review over on iTunes. And remember, if you want to go deeper and really improve your game, head over to meandmygolf.com and start your free trial and check out one of the many plans that are seeing incredible results. Thanks again for listening, and we look forward to speaking to you next week.